Gracious Father, as we just sang, we, we come to open. Gracious Father, as we just sang, we, we come to open this glorious ancient word of yours, this word that is life, this word that has become flesh and dwelt among us. We celebrate that this season as we look to Christ coming among us. As we open it, I pray that you would come, Holy Spirit, and take this glorious truth and work it deep within our lives. Lord, we long for you to do a life-transforming work among us. Let it not just be words that we hear or words spoken from, but let it truly transform us. But I know to do it, we've got to welcome it. And so we come to open our hearts. We make our prayer, come Holy Spirit. Come do what you long to do in our midst. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. I wonder if you were to write a song, what would it be? Would it be doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow? Or would it be a dirge? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. (laughs) If you were to write a song, I wonder what that would be in this season. You see, as the coming of Jesus drew near, the singing and the rejoicing just increased. You just heard uh, Mary's song read as, as Jay read it from Luke chapter 1. So at the, at the announcement of Christ's coming, Mary breaks out in song. And at the birth of Jesus, we know the heavens literally opened up where the shepherds were. And there was singing, glory to God in the highest. And then when the shepherds went and journeyed to meet Jesus to see this baby that was born that night, they walked away, and the text tells us, they walked away praising and glorifying God. I wonder what is your song these days? Is it doxology or is it dirge? You and I have a choice to make, you know, every day. Before our feet literally hit the floor, we have a choice to make. Will my song be doxology? Praising God for his goodness, his mercies, his faithfulness? Or will it be a dirge? (laughs) Reflective of the weight of the world that so often bears on our shoulders. The tyranny of the urgent weighing us down. Or just living out of the burden of the ordinary and the mundane moments of life. Don't get me wrong, as I'm talking about a song of doxology, there are times that we have a song that's a lament. There are good and right times that we go through those different seasons in our lives where it's going to be more of a lament than a doxology. But one thing I look at this morning as we look at Mary's song is when we understand Jesus, that he has come among us, our song can truly be doxology even in the midst of challenges. One of the things that makes this song that Mary sang in Elizabeth's presence, what makes it so glorious is this. Mary is praising God for his promise, even though it had yet to be fulfilled. She's praising him already before she was able to see all that Jesus, the son that she would bear, would actually do for her in the world. Let me put everything in context here. Mary sang this song of praise when she was experiencing great disruptions in her own life. I mean, think about it. Here she is, this teenage girl. She was probably 15 or 16, engaged to be married to Joseph. An angel of the Lord comes into her home one night, 
and tells her that she is going to conceive and the child is going to be the son of God. Life doesn't get more disruptive than that, does it? (laughs) And then think about it. Mary, knowing this, tells Joseph, her fiancé, and then you can imagine as the days go on, people in the town begin to hear Mary's pregnant, but she's not married. People talk. Disruption. Life was crazy for her in those months as she carried Jesus. But friends, as I've said in these other weeks that we've met during Advent, when divine disruption comes into our lives, we can know for certain God is on the move. When divine disruptions enter your home and mine, we can know that God is on the move. We see this in Mary's song and in her story. So let me ask you again, what would your song be this Advent season? What would your song be this year if you were to summarize it? Would it be a song of doxology, celebration, or would it be a dirge? We've witnessed a lot this year. We've all experienced disruptions of various kinds, some very intense, others not so much. And then during the holidays, this time of the year, you know as well as I do, there are all kinds of challenging family dynamics that are in our midst, things that during the normal part of the year we're able to kind of push under the rug. (laughs) But when family comes in and, and we spend time going and visiting our family's homes, things begin to get challenging, and sometimes they boil over. Things can get difficult. For some, it is the most wonderful time of the year. But others, I recognize it's the most difficult time of the year. When relationships aren't turning out the way you thought they would, things don't always look as they seem. Disruptions happen in our lives every day. But what we find here in Mary's song is this. Mary's song is a song of gratitude, even in the midst of her life filled with disruption. Here's the question I want us to look at for the next few minutes. It's this. What will it look like for us to live our lives with a song of praise, even when disruptions come? Let me say that again. What will it look like for us to live our lives with a song of praise, even in the midst of disruptions entering our lives? Two things we're going to look at this morning, two things that I think shine out of this passage in Mary's song that enabled her to sing a song like that when disruption had come into her life. First is this, she recognized her need. She recognized her need. Secondly, she remembered God's goodness and faithfulness, okay? She recognized her need, and secondly, she remembered God's goodness and his faithfulness. Let's first look how Mary recognized her need In verses 46 and 47, here's what she sang. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Right there we see Mary recognizing her need. Friends, a life of praise, a life of rejoicing begins when we recognize our need. Mary knew she needed a Savior, and she named him, and he said, my soul, she said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You see, when we recognize our need, we're able to call Jesus my Savior. And then we receive all of the fullness of God's, uh, of God's grace in the midst of our lives, his forgiving mercy and grace. 
Now, I want you to think about Mary for a moment. Mary knew the Old Testament scriptures well. She would have heard the stories as she grew up. She would have known that that God saved the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. She would have heard that story. So she would have known that God is a God who saves. And if we recognize that God is a God who saves, we recognize he saves us from something, our need, to something, to the freedom that he comes to bring us. She would have known that. She would have known the stories that, that, that she heard of the Israelites saying, God, we worship you and we worship you alone. And then the next minute they turn and they turn away from God and thumb their nose at him and they follow all these other false gods. Yet God in his mercy continued to draw them back over and over. Mary would have known all these stories. But more importantly, Mary knew her story. She knew her story. She knew that she was a woman who was a sinner. She knew that she needed saving, and she knew God alone saves. I wonder, do you know your story that clearly? Do you recognize your need? See, friends, there will be no rejoicing. There will be no praising. There will be no magnifying the Lord until we recognize our need, until we can actually say, I am a sinner, Actually, my life is more of a mess than you know it is, or than I want to even admit that it is. Until we get to that place, we won't see Christ truly as our Savior. And I say that to say this, don't let your sin and your, don't see it as a bad thing that you've got to run from and hide. Too many of us run from our sin. We want to hide it from God and hide it from others. We want to deny it and downplay it. And many today are creating their own truth so that they can deny their, their, their badness altogether, right? But friends, when we do that, the great danger is we miss out. We miss out on the forgiving grace of God. This God who knows when we come to him in our brokenness, he comes and he says, you are forgiven by the blood of my son. The importance of being able to name and not hide from or deny our brokenness and our sin. You see, I think there are a lot of people today, and maybe some in here, who know a lot about Jesus. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you the most important question you can ever be asked. Is he your Savior? Is he your Savior? Have you come to that place of of real brokenness to go, I need you because I can't hold it all together. And all the things that I'm trying to do to hold it all together, like, like all these spinning plates that I'm trying to hold on to, ultimately come crashing down. And I know for some of you, they have come crashing down. But that's where we come with that question. Have you come and recognized Jesus as your Savior? Have you grasped that how far you really do fall short? Again, we don't like to name that, do we? We don't like people to see it. But friends, until we name it and say it and see it, we will not experience the freedom and the life that Jesus came to bring It's coming with a life of no excuses, (laughs) no more excuses, just naming it outright. That's exactly what Paul does in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, Paul writes these words, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. (laughs) I wonder, do you believe that about yourself? We have all sinned, every one of us in this room, we're all in the same place, every one of us in the world. 
We're all in the same place, whether you want to admit it or not. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I was thinking about that last week, and and I thought about this. Some of the most gracious, free people that I know are people who understand the depth of their own brokenness. They are free. They are full of life. Their song is a doxology because they know their brokenness. But they also know that Paul didn't end with just those words in Romans 3.23. Paul went on to say this. So first let me go back. So he wrote, all of this short of the glory of God, but thank God that he didn't stop there. He goes on and he wrote, and we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. What's he saying there? Paul's recognizing that that he himself was a sinner and he knew that he was justified not by doing a bunch of good works, not by trying to earn favor with God, but he's made right with God because of the blood of Jesus, period. Friends, that is freedom. That is life. But to know that and to receive it, you and I have to first begin with knowing our need. I love Mary's song. Because Mary bursts out in praise because she knows that the baby that she is carrying will ultimately carry her to God's throne of grace by his own blood. And friends, he came to do the same for you and me. The question is, am I going to receive it? Am I going to come to that humble place and recognize my need or Am I going to live a life of pride saying, no, thank you. I can do it better on my own, right? Well, Mary addressed that in her song. In this song of praise, she recognizes her humility in all of this. But then she names what happens to those who in their pride, in their arrogance, say, no, thank you, and live life on their own. Listen to what she sang in verses 51 to 53. She's saying he has shown strength with his arm. Speaking of God, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from the throne, from their thrones, and he's exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Three things she names here. The proud are scattered. The mighty are brought down, and the rich are sent away empty. That's what I want to say to that. Deep down, inside of every single one of us, we all know we need something. A lot of times we don't know how to name it. But every one of us is looking for a Savior, someone, something to rescue us, to give us identity, to tell us that we're really better, to to, to fill the voids that are in our lives. And what Mary is doing in this song is she's saying, no, no. There are, yes, a lot of false saviors out there, but there is one Savior, my Savior and God, who alone will meet you where you need to be met. But she speaks to the proud. You know why? Because the proud boast in their own accomplishments. And for the proud, their accomplishments become their Savior, right? All the things that you and I can accomplish, those become our saviors. They're false saviors, but we think that they'll save us. Now think about this, power and riches 
Power in and of itself is not a bad thing. Riches in and of itself is not a bad thing. But when we take them and make them saviors, they become horrible things, and they actually enslave us. You see, when we try to make them God's substitutes, they will never give us what we ultimately long for. You see, friends, we can't, they, they won't meet the need for forgiveness. <laughs> they won't take away your shame. They won't deal with your guilt or mine. And that's why Mary names these things so clearly. And in verse 53, she says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he sent away empty. Now, I read that, and I think, you know what? We're all hungry, aren't we? Every single one of us came in here this morning with hungers and thirsts. And our default is to run to many other things to fill the hunger and to fill our thirst, don't we? We all do that. One of the things that our family does on, uh, during the season of Advent as we lead up to Christmas is there are, a, I don't know, maybe a dozen movies that we love to watch. And so almost every night, if there's not a party somewhere, we are having movie night at the cookhouse, and we're watching one of these Christmas movies. And most of them, they're pretty cheesy, you know, as a lot of those are. Well, the other night, we were watching The Grinch, uh, the one with Jim Carrey in it. And there's a scene in the movie where the people in the town are in this shop where they're buying things. And y'all, it is a buying frenzy. They all are overloaded with packages in their arms, and people are just throwing money at the cashier, and he can't even put it in the drawer quick enough. And they're just buying and buying. You know, you see gifts are stacking up. And then all of a sudden, outside the shop, someone yells, 99.5% off sale. (laughs) And you know what they do? They all turn, boxes fall out, and they run to that store, 99.5% off, and they fill their arms again. I can relate to that sadly. (laughs) Because there's so many things that I like, but I come to that place where they don't satisfy. They don't satisfy. They leave us empty. And I love how Mary names it, the rich are sent away empty, because nothing in this world, nothing of this world, will satisfy the longing of my heart or yours other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Mary sings this song of praise. Because in her own life, she knows that nothing is going to satisfy except the child she would then be carrying in her womb. Let me ask you two questions along this line. What have you allowed to fill the restlessness of your heart this season? What have you allowed to fill the restlessness of your heart Can you name the restlessness of your heart? (laughs) Sometimes we can go so quickly that we don't know that we're restless. But when we slow down, I know for me, when I slow down, I begin to realize, wow, my heart has really been restless lately. And then I've got to ask the Lord, what have I been filling it with? And then I repent and say, come fill me, because I know ultimately only God will satisfy. So that's the first question. Second one is this. What have you been running to? Same kind of question. What have you been running to to fill all your longings? What have you been running to? Is it the stuff you want for Christmas? Is it drink? Is it something else that you can take? Is it your accomplishments? Your your drive for success? There's so many things, y'all, that we run to to fill those voids. 
And here's what I would say. May this be our prayer. God, open my eyes to the things that I've been running to that do not and cannot satisfy. Free me from the hold that these things have on me. And if you would be so willing, pray this last phrase. Bring a divine disruption into my life (laughs) so that I can let go and receive all of your fullness. Friends, that's the gift this Christmas. That's the gift of the gospel. That's the gift that only comes when we see our need, isn't it? Jesus so longs to set us free, and he does it in a merciful and gracious way. That's the thing I want us to see. And here's the second one. It won't be as long, I can assure you. Secondly, Mary remembered. She remembered God's goodness. She remembered God's faithfulness. You see, Mary was one who was so steeped in the Scriptures. Again, like I said before, she had heard the stories told over and over and over again. She was so steeped in the Scriptures that she breaks out in praise to God at what He was going to be doing in her and through her. Listen again how Mary describes what God has done as she remembered. Read verses 49 to 54. You can follow along. She's saying, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Like Mary, it would do us well, wouldn't it, to remember the things that God has done. Michael led us in a song in the beginning of our service this morning, remember your people, remember your promises. Friends, I can assure you, God remembers. Now may we remember the goodness that he has done. Think about it. Where in your life have you seen the mighty hand, the arm of God, work powerfully in your midst? Can you remember? Can you name the great things that he's done for you? Let me read what David wrote in Psalm 103 if you have a hard time thinking of of things that God has done for you. Listen to this. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, just part of it. David breaks out again this, this psalm of praise Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Friends, he has. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Then he goes on and on and on, but I'll stop there. What an awesome praise. Friends, may that be our song. May our song be a doxology of all that God has done. And one of the things we see in this song of praise from Mary, she's not just looking back remembering what God has done. This is a prophetic word. She's looking forward to what she knows God will do in the future. And I don't want you to miss this. Because, friends, as we remember what he's done, we've got to take that and carry it over to all things that are yet unknown in our lives. To know that the same God who acted as he has in the past 
is the same who will act today and tomorrow and 15 and on to eternity. Our God that we worship here is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I want you to think about this for a moment. Whatever is before you that is uncertain, remember God's faithfulness. As he has been in the past, he will be to you in the future. Whatever you long to see happen ahead, friends, be encouraged that God knows and no good thing does he withhold from his children. God never changes. So here's some just practical things I want to encourage you to do as we continue through this season of Advent and and the season of Christmas ahead. Take time to remember. When you're sitting down at dinner with your family or your friends, take time to remember and name the blessings of God. Name how you've seen God work. Because it'll, it'll not only encourage you, it'll encourage those around you in ways that you will have no idea. That's a way that our song can be doxology and praise. Think about how you can incorporate God's goodness just in your conversations with others. Think about how you can name what God has done. Don't boast in yourself. Boast in God's goodness and grace. That's what Mary is doing here. Reflect. Slow down and reflect and remember God's goodness, right? So I want to end with this with these words from Psalm uh, 34, 30, Psalm, Psalm 34, uh, the first three verses. I want you to hear these words. Again, David breaking out and praise to God. Here's what he wrote. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will praise, his praise shall continually be on my mouth, be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And then he, he writes this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Friends, may that be our praise, that we together would say, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name because I will tell you when we do, the weights and the burdens, the sorrows, the things that are, that are heavy upon us, as we magnify the Lord, We see his presence and his beauty and ways, and he comes in the presence of his Holy Spirit and ministers grace that is so hard to articulate, but it's there, right? So may our song this season be what Mary sang and what David wrote, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Amen? Amen. Father, would you take this word, take your word, stir in us your truth, minister healing grace, breaking chains in our lives, breaking down patterns of shame and guilt, setting captives free, where we would see our need and receive the riches of your grace. May we never forget that you have come among us. We bless you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.